We're we're I don't know. Are we still little Lily? In Lily's mind, we're we're, not. we're huge. <laughs> but I also have illusions delusions of grandeur. So uh, and then it's an issue. Welcome to another episode of the Friday Night Movie Podcast. You don't think, was that not good enough? Was that not deep enough? Was, Should I go? No, was, here like we are. the right amount of like. I feel like you were a bit embarrassed. I, I was like a little. It's the right amount of you doing your voice, but also sounding somewhat normal. Because we have so like a good. famous guest who's professionally no, I, funny. I mean, that's what I, it, it should sound like. It's a little <laughs> more awkward when there's someone who is like a professionally funny person. You gotta own it. Just own it. <laughs> no. Okay. I feel like if you were normal, that's what our intro would sound like. But because you're not, you have to make it so buttery every week. <laughs> so leave it like that, because that's what our—that's what we should hope it would sound like. Well, here we are. Uh, it's it's me and my sisters, Lily, uh, in the Canary Islands. How you doing? I'm good. Good. That's good. Becky yeah. is in a rural Jewish summer camp, which is really the—it's really like the the homeland. Our origin of, story. It's our origin story. And Beck, I'm even wearing the T-shirt from camp. You can't see it, but I'm wearing the shirt. I mean, there's no point on me telling you how I'm doing because we need to do a mini episode on just this last week of my life teaching a film course to a bunch of 15-year-old Jewish camp, Jewish kids in upstate New York in the Catskills. And like, you've been sharing a room with our parents be, in the no, place where they room. met. I'm across the hall. I'm across are, the hall. Are they being like weirdly I'm romantic the and like, like, ooh, those are the apple <laughs> Not trees. even a little bit. Dad is sleeping. Dad is sleeping on a mat on the floor and mom's in a bed. Like, there's just like some weird things going Cause, on. Because when you week. go, in the past when I've gone with them at the camp, they're always like, ooh, let's look at the apple trees where we used to make out. And you're always like, ooh. No, we've been here too long. We've passed that phase. And we have an incredible guest here, Candace Martellaro. Welcome. How are you? Good. How are you? So, also, good job on getting my name right. Nobody does. Ah, well, I, you know, I, you know, we we take it seriously here at Friday Night Movie, and I've seen yeah. you say your name in your really? sketches. So, <laughs> oh, it's funny. Be- in my head, all in my head for the last couple weeks, I've been calling you Candace Martadello, like that was the meat. <laughs> Like, <laughs> like the Italian meat. So well, what do people call you? How do they me. get it wrong? A lot of people say Martellaro, which is not that horribly wrong, but okay. eh. I, I have a particularly mispronounced first name, so I, I know how you feel. Well, so we're going to get to Candace and, and who is a writer, an actor, um, uh, does, is comedian a fair word to use? Yeah. Okay. A writer, yeah. actor, comedian, producer, Definitely director, a comedian. um, who who I've been following for a while and who has worked on some things that I'm a huge fan of that you've heard me talk about before on the show. And but before that, I have a a story for the family here. And there's a a special a special I guess status you can have in our family where you are called the Fanya. And the Fanya of course is a reference to our amazing mother who is a huge inspiration to everything that we do and who also does hilarious things like leave her laptop on an international flight. The flight flies back and forth from whatever countries and somehow still is like able to retain her. she leaves it in her... where like people stick a magazine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So, and she gets it back. She manages to get it back. She's left an entire suitcase on a street in New York, and somebody got it back to her. So like, unbelievable. So last weekend, for the birthday of our dear friend Bobby Buttons, and folks might remember him from the post Super Bowl episode. He's the ad executive guy who came and talked and broke down all the Super Bowl commercials. It was his 40th birthday, and his family and my family and Josh's family gathered in Woodstock, New York, at Big Pink, which is an extremely famous uh, house. Because that is where Bob Dylan and the band hold up and recorded the basement tapes. And we're all huge fans of the band. And Bobby took us to our first Levon Helm shows and things like that. So we were really excited. It was like a nice family historical thing. And one of the great uh, aspects of staying there is that you get a tour of the actual basement where they recorded the basement tapes. It's not open all the time. But you, a, a wonderful, amazing person. Her name is Julian Nichols. And people should follow her. She's Julia Nichols. Uh, oh, she's Julia Nichols on Instagram, but the name of her band is like Naked. So you have to search like Julia Nichols Naked, which is a little bit awkward yeah, and funny. Awkward. But yeah. I will put her her contact info because she's also an incredible musician and a sound engineer. So Julia Nichols comes to the house and gives us this tour of the basement, which is great. We get to see where Bob Dylan sat. We got to sit behind the drum set. It was awesome. We got to hear a lot about music and engineering and stuff in Woodstock. And I got so excited that we were all there together that I took my camera. And Lily, you're the one who made me get that little popper stopper thing or whatever it's called. The push and pop, pop, what, what's pop the stand? Pop socket. The pop socket hand thing. So I tried to weigh my camera up and my ca my phone and take like a group timed picture but I couldn't get it to work on its own because the pop stop doesn't have the right angle and I used I pulled my wallet out of my pocket and I laid my wallet down and I used it to balance my phone and so we took the picture we got the tour we, we leave. I all of a sudden know where this story is going Wait, we leave the basement and Julia has to go then go and do sound for a, for a concert and then the next morning I'm leaving really early and right as we're leaving the basement I forget that I left a soda can in there so I run back in and I grab the soda can Phew. and leave your wallet 100% but we don't realize until like two hours later that I locked my had my wallet locked and there's like security to get into this room it's a famous historical place and I locked my wallet inside the basement where they recorded the basement tapes and the rest of the what would you say that was, at least it's safe. No that, one's going to steal it. That was my attitude, and you can pay for a lot of things on your phone. And I... <laughs> But And also, by the way, my friends were like, oh, well, I guess you're not getting that back because we got to leave early tomorrow, so you'll just have to find, you'll just have to come back and get it. So, no. So I, I furiously called and texted Julia and then Ubered back from where we were hanging out at the time. I met her right at the exact moment and we got, we got back in. I got my wallet back and uh, we presented her with a blue orchid, which she just posted on Instagram, by the way, as a thank you for the tour and for the and for coming back from her job <laughs> to save my Wait, wallet. Wait, so your story is that you annoyed someone enough with harassing text messages that you finally broke them, forced no, them to leave you their were, paying job to go get you your wallet if, that no, you I was locked nice inside about a room? I was if nice you were it. the Fania, they would have had to track you down. Oh, <laughs> so, I yeah, see what you mean. And that's begged true. you to take your expensive item back. Okay, so and I'm not the Fania. You're right. Mom would have been back home. And then full them to ship it to you at someone else's house where you're going to yes. be three days 
days from now, like that's 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 the way she rolls. Oh, but okay. close, that's fair. And close. you'd have to pick up a prescription somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, and the person sending your wallet would also be picking up your prescription. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I once I think I've told this. I don't know if I've told this story, but I once had somebody call me, and they were at like a convention center, and they were like, <laughs> I think you. I think I have your mom's phone. And I just was like, of course you do. <laughs> so I was like, even surprising and, and what's your name, nice lady? And she's like, well, I'm the, like, the custodian who like cleans up at the end of the, like, at the conventions or whatever. And I just found this phone and I can't open it, but I can swipe last call. And you were the last person that she missed a call from. I'm like, of course she missed a call from me. She never answers her phone. She never. She's always. And then. It's actually. And- really funny because we couldn't find my daughter's diaper bag like four different things the the baby wipes all this stuff and i was like mom where did you put this like where did you live she goes why do you assume i left the bag somewhere just i'm like silent i don't even know how to answer I'm like what do you mean why do i assume you left the bag somewhere because that is your proven track record right. leaving bags did you find places. it in the camp lost and found it was I actually can't remember where we found it. Oh, boy. But it was someplace not obvious. But, yeah, I was like... Well, yeah. Candace, thank you for enduring our little family catch-up. No, do I you liked have, it. Do you have a zany family? Uh, I have an unusual, like, situation, I oh. guess you could say. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I'm an only child, and my um, parents were never married. They were just, like, platonic best friends. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So no, uh, no zany banter with siblings, but um, that has its own weird eccentricities. Cool. Well, you get to be a sibling with us for the next little bit, if that's okay. Lovely. You all seem lovely. <laughs> so, Candice, you... Okay, well, well hmm, do we start chronologically? Okay, so let's start chronologically in terms of how I was introduced to your incredible work. A show that everyone... So by chronologically, we're talking about Shai's chronology. Yeah, my chronology. chronology. My personal chronology. Okay. Is that that you wrote on a show that I've talked about a ton on this podcast, which is Stand Against Evil, which stars John C. McGinley and Janet Varney and is created by the amazing Dana Gould, stars Deborah Baker Jr. Um, And not only that, you wrote... I, I would say one of the most iconic episodes of the show. Uh, I, I mean, I would say like the Were Pony and then Vampire Creek are probably the two most iconic episodes of that show, as far as I'm concerned. Really, that's really flattering. Thank uh, you. And wait, I, and, and the one with the demon wait. baby. Yeah, <laughs> but I feel I think I saw the demon baby one. That's really funny. But I feel like Vampire Creek works so well, not because not that it's universal. I don't mean it that. I just mean that like any. Anyone who watched TV, like, and who watches TV, I mean, so yeah, in that sense, the 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 way you you parody the teen show is so it's like it works so like it reads so well whether or not you watch stand like I don't watch Stand Against Evil regularly. I've seen I mean I mean I didn't I watched a bunch of episodes, but it's not. So something you can I've thank my episodes, sisters episodes. for the show not having a fourth season, despite oh, me begging them. So I'm sorry <laughs> that in the midst I had no way to watch it. Human, there's no way to watch it here. Yeah. I live in Spain too. I can't watch it either. Um, no. You live in California. What I what I mean is that like I, it was very what was so great about that episode is that you you could turn it on and it's hysterical. 
Like, I don't know the characters that well. I don't know all the shtick. But it's so funny because what you're making fun of and what in each of the role that each of the characters are playing in this little world of Vampire Creek, it just, I, it was very familiar. It was very, so, and I don't so know. So, Candace, set it up for playing on us. things I understood. Where'd you, come up, you. where'd you come up with the episode? How did it fit into the, how'd you get involved with a, such an interesting off-the-beaten-path show as Stan? <laughs> Well, okay, so there's kind of two answers to that question. Um, I came to work on the show. I was hired as Dana Gould's assistant. Oh. Um, and I, I actually still am his personal assistant, even oh, still. That's so cool. Um, He's amazing. Yeah. He's a great guy and so, so funny. Um, but uh, I was hired as his assistant. We worked together for a year. And then um, in that time, I told him that my favorite movie of all time is Coraline. Oh, it's a masterpiece. But, yeah, I love that. It's my favorite movie of all time. But um, we one day I was I listened to Dana's podcast like for fun because I'm a nerd, and <laughs> and uh, he mentioned Coraline as a horror movie on his podcast, and I texted him and I was like, Hey, you mentioned Coraline on your podcast. I'm so excited. And then he texted me back and was like, Yeah, I was thinking we might do a Coraline themed episode next season. This was between seasons two and three. Um, why don't you think of some story ideas? And wow. it was very long. Now, yeah. Just as an aside, Becky worked as an assistant, um, right? Becky, you worked as an executive assistant on a big a show. Assistant. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. Becky, when she worked for a showrunner, no one ever asked her to throw in ideas for the show <laughs> she worked on. Well, uh, that's the thing is it was such a gracious offering like he did not have to do that and it was very very appreciated and he's definitely a great great mentor um but yeah so he we did that and then we started brainstorming ideas in the room for uh a Coraline themed episode and um basically the more we kind of got into it the more the Coraline aspect wasn't really working and so then we thought about it his he has teenage daughters they love vampire diaries and uh, so we both started talking about Vampire Diaries, and we're like, oh, well, there's our episode. We'll just do Vampire Diaries. And so it's funny because I was coming from a CW Vampire Diaries perspective, but Dana kept coming from like a House of Dark Shadows oh, okay. perspective, <laughs> yeah. which are two totally different vampire soap operas, but the two things married together really, really worked. And yeah, it was a really fun sure. collaboration. Yeah, thank it you. Is a, it is, that makes sense, because it's definitely more soap opery than maybe a normal teen show. Yeah. Like, it takes it to, uh, with a mirror and <laughs> Now, you also, Shig, you, really now you got, you got to write for, so you're, the way, just for people who don't remember all the amount I've talked about sending and Seville, there's a town called Willard's Mill. Let's just say for, for, to make it easy for everyone, it's haunted. The two, the sheriff and the former sheriff fight mysterious mystical things and in this particular episode one of the characters from the show played by Christopher Mintz Plass aka McLovin himself uh, is, is, is is dead set on, on seducing so Denise the, the daughter of the sheriff who is played by Deborah Baker Jr. who might be one of the funniest humans I've ever seen perform anything <laughs> in my entire life but you got to so you got to write for uh, Christopher Mintz Platts who, who for us super bad and um, for me, role models. That's one of my favorite movies <laughs> of recent years. The kick oh ass. my god, he's so funny in that. He, he's been, he's he, so he, funny. He's been around. That. Did you know you were writing for him when you wrote?
throughout the episode or did he come on later? No, I had a rough idea that he might be in this episode. We had a list of potential guest stars. Um, he happens to be really good friends with Deborah Baker Jr. in real life. Oh, wow. And so um, it had been hinted that he might be on that season. And then we were thinking if, if he happens to be on, this would probably be a good episode for him to be because we knew it would be centered around Denise, um, Deborah's character. And it just seemed like it lent itself to him. So we well, wrote it with him. One in mind. of the things I found so funny about this episode is that I'm watching it. And again, like I said, I, I watch the show, but I don't like know every detail of every continuity bit. I'm watching it, I'm going, this woman in like her 30s? What I was going to say, it's a shy. Off? I was like, why does she live with her dad? What's well, happening here? Like, I was like, what should we do? But not that, but I was like, okay, he wants to take her to the vampire prom? Wait a minute, isn't she in her 30s? What is going on? And then I like that eventually, I think it's I think it's John C. McGinley that's like, she's 32 or something like that. And I was like laughing so hard because it was exactly what I was thinking the whole time. I, I also again. really like when they list her interests, like when they can't find her. <laughs> like all the places that she's supposed to, like she would be, oh, but they can't I, find I have her because she's in the down. vampire world. Kevin, Can you read them? Kevin, played by Dana Gould, by the way. That's the showrunner, yeah. guys, who's her love mean, interest. He's so, fantastic. First of all, he always introduces himself, reintroduces himself as the guy who digs graves down the cemetery, yeah. even though everyone knows He's him. like, I just want to dig a pool one day. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he mentions and he mentions some of the places that he went looking for Denise when she went missing, living into the Vampire Creek. And he says the abandoned car wash, the big pile of wigs, the false teeth museum, the funeral home that's only for circus people, the building that no wind, the building with no windows where they just make people sew, old people sew, and then the homeless guy who has a house and just won't go in. That's some of them. That, 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 I, in you watching this episode, I was dying laughing. So I, those are all your words, correct? Like No, no, actually. Oh. I mean, I wrote the episode, but that was mostly um, the director of the show, Rob Cohen, is Dana Gould's best friend. Majority of that was the two of them just riffing and coming up with Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, that's great. It's so yeah. funny. Yeah. That, the, oh, that, that's just pretty cool, too. That, that guy, I mean, yes. that's, that's pretty awesome, too. Um, yeah. uh, I want to, okay, I'm going to ask you one more little stand thing so another thing that people probably get tired of hearing this podcast is that i want probably one of the humans i think is most talented in the world is Jana varney uh her voice work uh her voice work on cora and and stand against evil i actually was watching both shows simultaneously and did not realize it was her and then when i i realized it was her i was like oh my god and then i took my family eventually to meet her at awesome con in dc and she's so gracious and she'll even I, you know she's such a good person to fans uh um, that she'll she'll keep in touch with us a little bit. Um, uh, just can you just tell me a little bit about how awesome she is and what it's like working with her? Because I think she's just one of the most talented humans around and nice. No, so nice. Um, absolutely. No, she's one of the sweetest people. She. One thing that stood out to me when I very first met her is she made a point of learning every single crew member's name on the set. And throughout the day would go and say like, hi, Mike, you know, how you doing? And stuff like that to each individual person. And it's like a small little thing that doesn't seem like a big deal. But when you're on the crew for a show and, you know, it's busy, you don't always get acknowledged and something like that goes a really long way. And it was one of those things where I was like, oh, she's legit. I really like her. That's cool. And, oh, she, that's and she curates Sketchfest in San Francisco. My Becky lives in Berkeley most of the time, so I'm hoping to come visit it once. But you got to perform at Sketchfest, correct? I did, yeah. This last year, it was a lot of fun. Did you perform as yourself as part of Fembot PhD? This is my segue, my smooth segue into Fembot PhD. <laughs> 
um, Fembot PhD performed. Okay, um, cool. We were accepted as a team into the festival. That is awesome. Okay, Fembot PhD. An amazing, hilarious comedy true. Everyone go on YouTube right now and subscribe. Uh, we, I, I've been following for a while, but to prep for this episode, we immersed ourselves in your sketches. So <laughs> tell us a little bit how you got involved. What is it? You know, give us the pitch, but then we're going to go deep on the sketches because we all have questions. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, so Fembot was formed at, um, it's technically an indie sketch team. So a group of girls came together and formed the team. Um, but they perform regularly at a theater called the Pack Theater in Los Angeles. And it's a little alter- alternative comedy black box theater. And... Um, Every month we have a different guest host, or not host, but guest on the show. And one month they asked me to be the guest, and then I had a great time. And like a month later, they asked if I wanted to join the team permanently, and I did. And it's been one of the best decisions I ever made. It's uh, the thing That's I look awesome. forward to. I know it's just so nice. It's honestly doing comedy. I've been doing comedy for eight years now, and um, it's honestly hard to find people that get your exact same sense of humor and relate to you in a specific way and I felt really lucky that I came across a group of five other women that relate in the same way I do and it's just like the thing I look forward to and we work really well together so I'm gonna Uh, gonna rattle off some of their names just because I feel like they they should we should make sure to talk about them because they're awesome and and also if I don't pronounce some of these right apologies folks I can Uh, also do it if it's easier Andra Moldov Jessica Andra Andra, Jessica Amal, Kate Rappaport, Nikki Urban, Julia Bartlett, and of course, Candice Martellaro. Yes. And um, do you all write together or do you each write a sketch and bring it to the team? How does that work? We each write a sketch. So what we do is uh, we we have an hour-long show we do every month. We actually have one um, coming up tomorrow. Um, but we, at the start of the month, we meet every Wednesday. Um, we have a pitch meeting where we just pitch ideas and then sort of whatever sticks, whatever works. We go home individually and write our individual ideas into a sketch. And then we do two more rounds of notes on our written sketches. And then we actually start blocking them out and rehearsing them. And then we put them up on their feed at the show. Wow. So you're like, nice. a, you're like a Saturday Night Live. Like you have that pace where you're just writing fresh stuff every time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all new material every show. And we've never missed a show. Oh, that's yeah. awesome, and I've watched yeah, you put a lot of live bits on on the on online, right? Those those are yeah. those are. I mean, is it every show is online, or most of your shows are up online? Every show should be online, and um, in addition to that, we also produce. We try to produce at least one, if not two, videos per month. In addition to our live sketches, so sketches Damn. that do really well on stage, we'll go shoot a video version of. Then the production value of your videos is really good. You guys Thank have like you. a really good product. Like they don't look like, like they look, like they're really nice. We have a really great DP named Mike Morey that does a I lot see. of our videos. <laughs> you shoot like they they look like they are properly shot by someone who really does know what they're doing. Like they, and I think that makes and, and we're honestly, and, for and, me and, it makes such a difference. And we're. And and you should feel good about this because of the three siblings, Becky's the one with both talent and qualifications in this area, whereas whatever Lily and I tell you is just two regular people giving opinions. It's just connoisseurs. <laughs> Oh, but good. I, no, but the sound quality is really good. They're lit. I properly. produced a They're short film once. Edited properly. I know something. What do you mean you produced a short film? That one with Amanda's boyfriend playing hockey? That's mine. 
Okay, um, no. that, was, that was my first Blooming Film School. Um, no, no for you, Mi- Miriam Raffles Production Company. You mean when you made the 21st birthday video for me, where you went around the city of Montreal interviewing everyone from my friends to, like, the random dry cleaners? <laughs> um, yeah. That was a lot of fun, okay. but no. None of these I mean, as good as Candace's. Okay, so. <laughs> we, we, sidebar, the point being, I really, the first thing that really struck me is that, like, okay, there's actual production value in it, which tells you something about the seriousness of, of the group of people behind it. Because you can have a really great, funny bit, um, but I always find that if it's not shot well, then that means there's just a certain, like, lack of effort in there. And I really appreciate that clearly you guys are thinking beyond, like, oh, what's just sounds funny, but how do you make it look good and how do you make make it visually appealing to people who are watching it um, and raise the bar? So that that's pretty awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. I will tell the team you said so. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's get into some of these sketches. Okay, so the one that I feel like like it was it felt like it was made for our family and you directed it, which makes it even cooler is pooping in public. Well, oh, that, I actually didn't direct that. No, you didn't. No, I edited it though. Oh, you edited it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. So That's you, okay. I I knew. Uh, it's a very good edit. I know the credit. I, I saw it on the credit. It is really good editing. Uh, it is. Edit on that. Just is so very you, important. just so you know, on the YouTube page, it does say yeah. dire- directed by Candace Martellaro. Oh, does it? I mean, I um, I I was going to direct it, and I did a lot of the prep work to direct it, but it, it ended up being directed by Mike Mori and kind of just the team in, as a whole. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, yeah. just so people know, you should go. Well, you were heavily you were heavily involved in production and the creative vision. <laughs> it, it, it's like a Charlie Chaplin silent film of somebody trying to poop in a public bathroom. But I feel like that it needs to be silent in order for it to be funny, like, for it to funny, work. to level up the funny. Because we've all heard bathroom jokes before, but the style in which you did it made it like uniquely so, funny. So how'd you come up with that? I didn't. Um, that was Nikki Urban wrote that. And um, they'd actually already performed it like two or three times before I joined the team. Oh, wow. And, like live? Uh, yes, live. There's a live. Really? You can actually see it on our YouTube channel. And that's actually the thing. Um, she had been talking about wanting to shoot it. And then I wanted to get my little claws into it because I loved it. The live oh. one. And so I, we texted back and forth about it. And I was like, please let me direct this. And then I flaked out the night before. But... Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's such a brilliant sketch. It was so smart. Nikki comes up guys... with the most gross stuff, but somehow the most geniusly gross stuff. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Now, were you involved in the in the brunch one that I'm very obsessed well, with? Now, now I'm doubting the credits on the YouTube page because I'm pretty sure the brunch one you were also involved in. Yeah, that Wait, one I did direct. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Then can we please talk about that? Because well, I'm, are we not another... done with we're done with the poop one? Ugh, fine. Go back to the poop <laughs> one. Go. I feel like that's the piece de resistance, so For it you? deserves more attention. Well, I, I, okay, I, I honestly, Lily, of the three of us, the person who I imagined most in our family in that was Lily. Well, I yeah. can't go not at home, so like it was very personal to me. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, it was actually like, like a documentary. In university, I would comedy. go home to my parents' house to go to the bathroom. Like I, I can't. <laughs> like I need to go at home. Yeah, and so days. the whole thing. I just need to ask, how did you guys get that music? Oh, we just uh, stole it offline. Because it's, it's great choice. Like it's I, just. I, Perfect. I agree. I wish I'd been there when they wrote it so I could tell you, but it, yeah, I agree. I saw uh, it when it was it, live. It, that was, was fantastic. Like, 
Italian um, chef kiss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I feel like that is whether you only like to poop at home or you are. You don't in, have uh, to answer, uh, Candace. Lily's not no. posing these as questions. Even I, I just mean rhetorically, like, like okay. it, whether you're a poop at homer or, or you're someone who frequently poops in a public bathroom. A lot of people poop at work, I hear. Um, and so I think you can relate to this sketch on just so many levels. Like if you're someone who especially, does poop a lot at your house. Especially if you're someone who plays poop chicken, you know. <laughs> right because those exactly. ladies are playing poop chicken and it's amazing that's like trying to see exactly. who's can you elaborate what you are describing here poop chicken <laughs> is when you enter the bathroom to poop and there is someone in the stall next to you and you will wait them out until they leave going oh you think you have to poop oh sweetheart you have no idea how long I can sit here and hold it you will be forced out of this bathroom <laughs> without pooping, so I can go. That is poop chicken. <laughs> yep. real thing. No. It it's is a real thing. thing. All right, brunch. Let's talk about brunch, Beth. Brunch, okay. Ask From no cooking the brunch. the mother of a young child, where my, my, listen, my friends love my baby. They're my closest girlfriends. This is not actually how I imagine them to behave, but... But of my group of friends, I don't have that many friends with young kids. And so in my mind, I always do sort of imagine that once, like, the baby leaves the party, everyone's having a lot more fun. <laughs> and so what was so deeply hysterical to me about this sketch is it's exactly that. It's a bunch of ladies having brunch, having the best time, getting drunk, Um and then every time this, like, fourth friend with a baby sort of, like, pops in with her baby, they are, like, they just the, the dread of what they are experiencing taking care of the baby. Um, and then how how bananas they go when she leaves with the baby, like, drinking and doing drugs and, like, going crazy. And then at the same time, feeling, like, viscerally protective of this child. And it was just, it was, like, all the range of emotions, I think, as a mother, I imagine, people going I, through. I love how every time the mom comes back in, she's very oblivious to how much she doesn't fit in with yeah. the baby. And my favorite thing is when she first shows up and they're like, oh, just put that loaf of bread down or whatever. <laughs> and she's like, oh, no, no, I had a kid. And they're like, what? And she's like, remember you guys came to the shower, the baby shower? And they're like, oh. And so, I, I've so, experienced that disconnect and I think it's hilarious. So wh where does a sketch like that come from? I, 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 and and that, then as a director, how do you you put it all together. That was written by Julia Bartlett, who plays the mom in that oh, sketch. Okay. That oh, okay. she wrote that, um, and it's funny because I don't think this is intentional, but she has multiple sketches about like not wanting to be around a baby. <laughs> I just <laughs> like it just hit me. They're for her. <laughs> well, it's funny. She doesn't have a baby, and I don't think she has that many friends with babies. But like, it's just a funny thing. She actually wrote um, another sketch I really love called "I Don't Want to Hold This Baby." And it's the, I, I can't think of a song off the top of my head, but it's a song parody. And the whole thing is a girl at a party that gets handed a baby that she now has to hold and she doesn't want to. And the whole song Amazing. is just kind of like in her thought process of like, where can I put this baby down? <laughs> I don't want to hold this baby. I just want to chug a beer. And um, yeah, that's how so, you think as a mom, that's how I think other people feel when they're with my kid. Which is, is that so I funny. always imagine 
I always imagine that like they're just as, like smiling and being nice, but no one really wants to be taken care of. As a dad, like, I love her, but as like, a dad, I don't think too hard about it. You're like, oh, of course else? you do, because somebody else is always holding your baby. <laughs> That's why. Uh, that person's the mom. <laughs> I have so many friends with kids, and I've never thought that or had it be an issue. But okay, well, that's comforting. Yeah. Now I don't know to what were you involved at all with the Russian sketches? Um, no, but I can give you a really interesting backstory of how those came to be. So Becky's okay. gonna need that backstory because Becky basically backstory goes on vacation with Olga. Was... Becky goes on vacation with Olga and Ludmila in her real life. <laughs> My in-laws are Russian, and I'm not saying they say the things that are said in the sketch, but I would say well, they say things that are adjacent. Cry. They're not. Yeah. They're, they're adjacent to what is said in the sketch. Where I I needed to be communicated to to those women that wrote that sketch that. Um, it was so realistic that I was crying laughing while watching it because these are versions of conversations I have had with my in-laws. <laughs> okay. Beyond. Wait, wait but, the summer death thing, Becky, I feel like that's something your mother-in-law would say, right? I've had versions of that about how, like, like the reason I know the word shapochka in Russian for hat is because she chases us around all seasons of the year, all times of day, trying to force us to wear hats because we will die of a cold if we don't wear a hat because we will catch a cold in our head and die. Like, these are real conversations I have had. <laughs> okay, so here's the backstory of how Olga and Ludmilla came to be a thing. Um, they are played by Andra Moldov and Kate Rapoport, and they both happen to be first-generation immigrants from Eastern Europe. Um, Kate is Polish. Uh, she's from Poland and moved here when she was about nine, and then Andra is Romanian and also moved here when she was about nine, just coincidentally. And so we just happen to have these two first-generation immigrants on the team. And so they, if you talk to them, you'd never know. Like, they don't have that accent normally, but they can both slip into it. And they're... I was going to say their accents were... So, so it's exactly yeah. like my, my husband who, moved, who like left Russia when he was seven. And so... Yeah. Yeah. Very. Oh, okay, it's very it's like the same kind of region. So they um yeah. they both can just and it's also you know their parents and stuff have those accents, so they just can slip into it really easy. And so we did um, Upright Citizens Brigade does a thing called a spank um, show, and it's basically a chance to get a run of a show at UCB. Cool. And we yeah we did um a show called How to Love Your Dictator. We also did it at the Hollywood Fringe Festival, but that was before I joined the team. Um, that was called How to Love Your Dictator, and the whole point was supposed to be these two Russian women teaching you how to be okay with having a dictator as a president. God, oh my God, that is so funny. Yeah, and that's where Olga and Ludmila came from. So that's the angle of their, um, it's a weekly web series they do, and that's the Okay, I'm going to have to watch it. There's, like little, there's little details in it that I don't know if other people catch, but it's like, I forget what she was saying, but she should have used the word excited, like, it's time for a vacation. We so excite. Like yeah. that, the fact that you said well, excite it, instead of excited, it, and like that. It was clear that, I feel like it was quite clear that they must have extreme experience with, with the, just the little like the community nuances and the and the, yeah like the the both the 
paranoia about things, but also just acceptance of horrible things that can happen. You know, like being deeply paranoid. Have fun, but, but not too also, much fun. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like things like that. Yeah. Like if you have too much fun, you'll come back to your life that you're already depressed in and be more depressed. Like, again, not something my mother-in-law has said, but not far off. <laughs> So yeah. So there's a couple other sketches as a guy I find hilarious, but they definitely I would say send you know they start, I feel like they're a good is feminist the right word I don't want to be like presumptuous yeah. but yeah. but I would say they have like a really good feminist edge and there's a couple that I find particularly hilarious um, the fidget spinner for your vagina puss be gone. Which which is instant male pri- get instant male privilege with puss be gone, and then rashy lingerie. All three of those. Rashy are- lingerie. That's my amazing. favorite. The yeah. best is the ending of rashy lingerie, where it just shows like those hilarious photos of like lead designer, founder of the company, and it's these like two mustachioed men, like amazing. So so, being a, a female comedy group, in um with I guess, what's. Give us a little bit on that, on 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 uh, either what it's like being a female only. Con- I assume you're always female only in terms of your, or maybe you're not because I feel like there's a guy that appears on a regular basis. Oh, we've had many guy guests, and actually, Fembot did not set out to be an all female team. It just happened to become a female team. Um, in fact, one of those mustached guys in that video, Danny Emerald, used to be a member of Fembot PhD oh, okay, at one cool. point. Um, that's before I was on the team, but, um, no, we always say our, uh, we are more of a Lucille Ball than an Amy Schumer oh, in the sense interesting. of, yeah, like it's, we have feminist sketches, but it's not like we have a feminist agenda necessarily. And not that there's anything wrong with that. I love Amy Schumer, but, um, our thing is more like our agenda is to be funny. Um, but yeah, so we like happen to be an all female team and we all are feminists. So inevitably we have feminist sketches. That's, um, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. And the nuance there, we're a huge Lucy family in my family. I watch it with my kids all the time. And, yeah. and, uh, so, so I, here's a question. Who is like, who, who right now do you look out there? That is like a Lucy of our time. I, in my mind, have someone that I talk about, uh, like, on a regular basis that I think is, like, a Lucy, but who is a Lucy? Sorry, I disconnected for a minute. Um, We're we're talking about Lucille Ball. Oh, like, I love Lucy. Who do we feel? Because Candace was saying she's kind of an inspiration for Fembot, so... Do you look around these days and say, oh, so-and-so is kind of like a modern-day Lucy? Oh, man. Or has an element of Lucy, because she's the only Lucy, right? There's only one. I, I would say I know mine, but... What do, yeah. When you say it has an element of Lucy, do you mean just, like, a, a great female comedian that you find them so inspiring? So, so for me, or like well, there's an aspect, I think, of her comedy that's inherently physical that so, I don't so think who's okay. your, So who's yours, Lil? I have one. I would say... I would say not, like, a complete Lucy, but it has Lucy-esque aspects as Melissa McCarthy. Oh, oh that's yeah. great. That's for me, one. so mine, also a... a, a Bridesmaids alum, although I'm referring to her in a different case, is Wendy McClendon Covey, who plays mm. who plays um, oh, Beverly Goldberg answer. on the Goldbergs. Like for me, yes. the way, her physical comedy and her right, I think you have to bring a physicality and, and the way too. she carries yeah. that show to me reminds me a lot. And having watched a lot of Lucy recently, like there are moments for me where I'm like, oh man, Wendy's in like Lucy world right now in terms of her in terms of her performance and and the way the kind of show moves around her as a as an actor 
Beck, do you have one? Well, I, the first person that came to mind, but it's hard because I, she's not like on TV right now, but the first person that came to mind was Kristen Wiig when you talked about like someone who was just, I felt to me like breaking the mold a little bit. Maybe this was like 10 years ago on SNL. I don't know. Had like a great physicality to her, was really eccentric. Like that's, that's what I thought of, but we don't, you know, I feel that's, like I don't see her. I, I think it's wild that it's a really interesting coincidence that all three of those women are in Bridesmaids. That's wild. I don't think it's a coincidence. Like, like, that's the, the most excellent stat. Like staff cast of a <laughs> staff yeah, of a comedy film. But I'm, I'm interested in uh, in Candace's answer. I this is very mainstream, but I would maybe say Mindy Kaling. Oh, sure. um, oh cool! Sure. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Well, it, it it can be mainstream. We're, we're believe me, we have we're very mainstream. We're not super. <laughs> I mean, I guess yeah. Melissa McCarthy is also mainstream, but um, but no, I would probably say Mindy Kaling. Not just not so much because her physicality and stuff reminds me of Lucille Ball, but more the show, The Mindy Project. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. um, elements of it I could see being I Love Lucy esque. Not all of it. The like self-deprecating, but the inevitable confidence that she yeah. has, oh, like that yeah. stick worked into it. Is, I could see uh, that. And had they gone a different route and like had things worked out between her and Danny Castellano, I'm like, oh, he would have been Ricky. Like, right? oh, Absolutely. he would have. Been... Yeah, yeah, I stopped. I stopped watching when it switched to Hulu, and then never yeah. got it back. So in my mind, her and Danny stayed together. Okay, well, we'll go with that. <laughs> and I've spilled it now for anyone that wanted to watch the Mindy Project who hasn't. That, I, I, yeah, that those are all those are all great. The, those are all great choices. Okay, let's talk about other things that you love, Candace. Yeah. So when I, in in our prep in our research for the show, we asked you, um, or I asked you a little bit, because let's be honest, how much do my sisters ever do in terms of research and prep? Um, there's a little LK next to all the things. I'm so. just messing with you. you. Sent me. I watched. I reviewed. No, you did. I, I read. Candace, you should be, by the way, very honored. Excuse me. Like Becky never. When it's just me shows. hosting the show and we don't have like, I a guest. I prep when it's a stranger. I prep when it's someone I haven't met before thank you very much i don't want to honestly i am so impressed by all of your prep work i'm surprised that you guys watch that many fembot sketches like it's very very humbling oh wow and i just did one more thing i also appreciate and this is a we've always talked about on this podcast that time is of the essence and one of the major issues I have with SNL sketches is they're just too long. Right. And I love that, like, the joke is, like, just, they, they jump the shark every time. I mean, almost every time. And they just, they go, draw, get so drawn out. I love the timing of the composition yeah. of the sketches Agreed. of the fanboy. Like, like, some is a minute and a half, some are three minutes, but it's not like, like 10, 15 minutes of the same joke. Rousey laundry is about like a minute yeah. or so, or just under a minute. So it's perfect. Is the correct amount of time for that joke. Okay. That worked for me for exactly that much because I needed to get to the punchline of those pictures of the guys, and it was uh, so good. Uh, all right, so I'm going to ask you a question about Rousey laundry, and if this comes off as terrible or creepy, we will edit this out. <laughs> but. I, I, so, so how about this? Okay. What could you possibly you, be asking? No, no. I'm gonna say like, you're all you're all very good-looking humans. You're you're very you're very pretty humans, right? Like you're. Thank you. I feel like in the Me Too era, if that's the beginning of your sentence, you should not continue speaking. <laughs> no, I need to know what he's gonna say now. No, I. How I just, paranoid I, is our brother? I no. How paranoid? No, I was saying like you're all very like 
pretty people. You're very funny. And in a stress, and, and, and it, but like everyone has, in a, in a sketch like Rashi Lingerie, you are using your bodies. And that cannot be even as pretty as you all are. Like that cannot be always an easy thing to do where you're wearing like scanty clad clothes to make a really funny joke. Like I, I would, like, I don't take my shirt off like anywhere. <laughs> um, uh, how, like what's that experience like? How, how is that as women? You're using your sexuality, but you're also making it funny. Um, it's, how does that feel? What's it like? Well, it's funny you say that. We, um, we've we done a lot of sketches on stage that have a lot of nudity. It's usually um, Nikki Urban who wrote the Pooping in Public sketch. Um, okay. Usually she'll be the... I like where her mind is at. Yeah, she, like I said, she writes the best, most disgusting, but hilariously genius things you could think of. Um, but usually she'll be the go-to. One of my favorite sketches we did live is this one where um, she's on stage in a dog bed with a blanket over her and a dog mat ask and there's a couple sitting there and she's acting like a dog having a bad dream and the couple that's looking at the dog is like oh I wonder what cute little dog dream she's having and then it flashes over to what the dog's dreaming and she stands up and she's completely naked in real life except for this, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, in real life except for this dog mask and there's we all come in with cat masks on and we're all dressed as cats pointing at her and laughing and then she feels up her whole body gets to her neck and goes oh i forgot my collar (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing that is a ballsy that's that's ballsy yeah so i guess in answer to your question it'd be i don't necessarily know but nikki sure is good at that was it a bad question should i not have asked that did it come off no no, no. i think it's a great question yeah it's a really good question no it is and we do we do fembot as a team does incorporate a lot of elements of a female sexuality as part of that's part of who we are and so yeah we do use our bodies and our physicality quite a bit and um yeah rashi laundry i think was a good example of one where it was if it suits the joke we'll go for it and it's it's weird there's not really at that point it doesn't feel that uncomfortable because you're just doing it for the joke and you're not really thinking about the fact that you're slutting around in laundry um <laughs> so uh yeah Got it. Okay. Thank yeah. you. And thank, you for, thank you for answering the question. I really appreciate it. I hope I made it as unawkward as possible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you uh, you shouldn't cut it. I think it was a good question. Oh, thank you. All right. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's talk about things that you like. Because when I, I said, hey, what are you what are you into? I always like to ask our guests what we're into because we want to talk about things that are fun for them. As if you were you know over at our house for dinner. And the list of some of your favorite things includes, it's not the only things, but I thought I thought a great thread, there's some great threads here. You mentioned Jaws, which, by the way, I agree is one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. Definitely one of the coolest, best written movies. I love yeah. the dialogue in that movie. Coraline, Masterpiece, E.T. We'll get to E.T. in a second. I 100% hates that movie. Snow White and It, the recent version of It, which, yeah. which Lily thinks is like a, a, a comedy, well, right? I- no, my husband does. I have not seen that. I'm he thought it was horror scared. comedy. <laughs> so all of these things, to me, are all things that scare children. Uh, yeah. Because like when I was little, I saw Jaws. Jaws 3, but I saw Jaws on television when I was 4. My fears of the water and sharks. I wouldn't go in the bathtub. I wouldn't fill the bathtub at home and sit in it after watching Jaws as a kid. 
I was so scared. I was so that movie did that to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Coraline, of course, which, I mean, there's so much to be afraid of in Coraline. Brilliant. E.T. Oh, my God. <laughs> E.T. There are there are lots of movies I would watch before ever watching that again. My kids are asking me about it recently. I make my kids watch a lot of movies that they don't want to see. Like, And then they end up liking <laughs> most of them. They said Goonies, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. I took my daughter at four to see Force Awakens. And they were asking me about E.T. E.T. and I was like, you don't have to see that one. And that, of course, made them want to see it. They're like, well, what about it, Dad? Tell us all about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you say it's bad. Now we want to know. Yeah. Yeah. What's so bad about it? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then Snow White, I mean, it's a masterpiece, but it's terrifying. That's it. And then Snow White, of course, is also pretty scary. So we have a game that we play. That's our signature game on Friday Night Movie, and it is called Buy, Rent, or Meh. And I'm going to throw three things out, and you have to (laughs) assign a value to each one of them buy like you'd put it in your itunes library this is metaphorically speaking rent eh, you'd stream it it's all right and then meh now the meh can have a lot of different qualities to it based on how you say it so it can be a dismissive meh it can be a more kind of like it's all right Uh, or it could also just be the third like you're forced to choose a third and you just have to mess something even though you love it. And, yeah. and then and then in some cases, you can pull out the wild card of a bleh, which is like... You really don't like it. You really don't like it. Oh, so, gotcha. So we're going to play a little buy, rent, or meh with some of your favorite things. And okay. every, pretty much everything you describe to us has a child-devouring villain in it. So I'm going to throw three child-devouring villains from your favorite things up. And you're going to have to buy, rent, or meh. <laughs> This group. So one, Bruce, the famous shark from Jaws, the which is yes. the the model, the, the the fake shark. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. I don't know which one of my sisters wrote. Is that the shark's name? Me. I shark's had no name. idea that was the shark's called name. Bruce. And yeah, the actual animatronic shark was the name Bruce. They call and, it Bruce. Oh, the animatronic and, shark is Bruce. The movie that'll call it Bruce. Oh, I get it. That's funny because in Finding Nemo, the shark's name is Bruce. Yes. Yes. And yes. I believe. And I believe Stand Against Evil when they fight the Baphomet. I think it's in the first episode. They do an amazing Jaws reference. That was the moment yes. I was hooked on the show. I was like, "Yep, the show's for me." Yeah, me too. Uh, so okay, so Bruce the shark. Terry Hatcher, yeah. the spider lady from Coraline, the mother, who is trying to sew yeah. buttons on kids' eyes and eat their souls. Yes. And Pennywise. Or Tim Curry. I or Tim Curry. But you haven't, seen, you haven't seen the original Tim Curry one. You're talking about Skarsgård Pennywise. Right? Oh, right. I guess. Yeah. You're talking about... Um, what's his name? I was, but... Yeah. So, by um, the third Skarsgård. These three, these three child-devouring villains... Because uh, Bruce the shark does eat a kid in the movie. No, you're absolutely right. Um, well, you have to buy Jaws. Like that's just a given. Um, so I guess I'd rent Coraline, and then not that I actually think necessarily this is what this is, but I guess I'd go meh with Pennywise. Why? Why are you meh Pennywise? I mean, I uh, realistically, I rented the movie, so I would say rent. But, um, <laughs> but if it has to go in the meh category, that's the one out of all three that I would put in the meh category. Okay, I guess those. I think it's two. a very accurate by rent. I concur with that decision. <laughs> and, and, okay, well, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree. Okay, because go for it. I'm thinking specifically about the villain. 
Mm-hmm. And I have to think about simply for a villain based by right now. I'm going to have to, and this is difficult for me because I am so terrified of it. I've never seen the movie. I'm going to have to buy Pennywise because it is so scary. I cannot bring myself to watch it. And I'm going to have to rent Coraline because that's a reasonable amount of terrifying that I can handle (laughs) because it's animated. So I can at least separate it a little bit. And I'm going to meh the animatronic shark because, you know, Compared to Pennywise and uh, terrifying Terry Hatcher button hands, you know, it seems like a reasonable <laughs> villain risk I could handle in my life. So, so that one gets mad. So, so I'm going to take a similar approach because I that factored. So you and I approach this similarly. I, I definitely buy rent or med these based on how dangerous I think each one of these is to me. Okay. And, and while Bruce is dangerous, if you don't go in the water or go to the beach, which you know how I feel about the beach, he can't get you. He's not a land shark. He's not... <laughs> Shy likes the beach if there's no sand, ocean, or sun. Yeah. I like the boardwalk mm-hmm. with the video games. And Shade. so 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 I'm gonna meh the shark, not because it isn't a masterpiece, but because I think I could probably avoid it. I'm going to rent Pennywise because it seems that Pennywise's uh, actions of evil are uh, specified to the area of Derry, which is this t- one of the many cursed towns in Stephen King's world. So if I steer yeah. clear of New England, which is fine, we're good. And then, last but not least, that spider, <laughs> that child-eating spider who like woos you into her world and tur- you know sews buttons on your head. That that's a real scary concept <laughs> to me because you know I love our mom. The idea of mom being evil is terrifying to me. So. Uh, so that's that's where I am. Mm-hmm. Lily and Lily sense. agreed with Candace. Okay, we're gonna yeah. Candace. Are you ready for another round of buy rent or Yes. Okay. All right. So now imagine you're you're one of the many um, people in these movies who has to consume something, uh, eat something, right? Whether it's a villain or a person. And so so I'm gonna throw three items that are eaten in one of these movies at you. Again, I'm taking a little bit of a horror comedy edge. You, you know, you, you've got the credentials. So number one, the poison apple in yeah. Snow White. The yeah. chum that they throw in the water at the end of Jaws when they're going after the shark, you know, and they're pouring it in. And then the little brother who gets eaten at the beginning of It. Alright? By render mid, those three. I would... Okay, this is the, the most shallow reasoning. I would buy the apple, the poison apple, because really, really, it just gave. Yeah, because realistically, it just gave her the ability to take a really long nap and then wake up perfect and without morning breath. Uh-huh. Um, so <laughs> it, it seems like a good option to me. Um, and then I would rent the chum because it's gross, but I can deal. I'd meh the boy because ew. <laughs> I mean, I you took did, a different approach. I know. It's I mean, not you did. Be which you, one you would actually eat? But you, you, well, <laughs> no, no. I think I like that. I like that technique. And and you and considering, I was kind of wondering you were going to go with this because you did direct a sketch that involves people like not liking a baby. So I was kind of curious if you were <laughs> if you were going to go, go with be excited the about kid. the guy eating the and Pennywise <laughs> eating the kid. All right, Lil. What about you? I'm going to buy Pennywise. I do. Can, what did you say? Sorry, Candace, I missed Sorry. you there for a second. Oh, I 
was going to say, I do work part-time as a nanny, oh. so I, I don't want to ah! get that. Okay, you probably wanted to get that in there. No, do not approve of eating children. Gotcha. Um, I'm going to go with that one first, though, because in the first time I saw the original It and then when I saw the remake, to me, that... that scene even though i didn't think the movie was scary but that scene you know when he's leaving that boat is going down that street and you know what's going to happen it just irks me so bad like i just not a fan of that like that i think that scene's a great scene because it sticks with you so that is definitely um in terms of like uh, villainous meals is that i'm gonna buy that one because that's the scariest um I think I would rent the chum because I'm like, you bringing it upon yourselves, whatever happens after you throw that into the ocean. And it's also kind of gross. Um, and I'm going to meh the apple because who would take a bite of something with like that gross witch, like handing you that with her nails? <laughs> like who would ever, I don't even like to take bites of apples that I cut for my own fridge. I have to like wash them. Sometimes I peel them. I'm like very particular. I'm like yeah. that apple is nasty no agreed yes <laughs> uh, all right back what about you um i'm gonna concur with candace i really liked her reasoning i felt like it was unexpected um and i and i and i'm just gonna go ahead and agree with with her choices <laughs> not to be unoriginal but i i i support you uh, i appreciate that <laughs> i'm gonna go i'm gonna go chum apple kid and mostly because, I don't know, Chum always, like, I get a little bit kind of hungry when I see it in that movie. It just looks Ew, like it could be a little so bit yummy. Gross. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Fascinating. We learn something new every week when we record. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about a guy who will not... want to learn, but we learn them. A guy who will not eat a banana or, like, be in the presence of a banana. But I'm like, mm, Chum looks yummy. It's feel like eating a little bit of fish sticks or something. Yeah, I mean, is it fish? Is it beef? Who knows? No, it's bad. Don't eat it. <laughs> it's beef-fish mix. <laughs> Alright, now another game that we play on the show, and this is called Pitch Imperfect. There's a few variations of it, but the version we're going to play is where you pitch your version of a particular show or movie or a sequel, and this is between one of these things that we've talked about, these disparate things, across crossover or shared universe which two or more but let's say two would you tie these together lily i know you've been preparing for this so i'm going to give you the mic first i just like a quick two seconds candace can you just sum up for me in one line why you like snow white oh it i was just as a little kid it was my favorite go-to that i watched with my grandma it's not even anything other than that oh it's more nostalgia yeah, it's nostalgia, and I also love the fact that the more I learned about it, that was one of the early places where doing joke punch-ups on scripts started. They had a thing where um, they you would give you'd five, have a really good answer. <laughs> they would give five cents to anybody that could add a joke to the script that worked. It's like a thousand dollars today. I, yeah. <laughs> but uh, they, um, or it might have been five dollars. I can't remember if it was five cents or five dollars. Anyway. Um, but there's one guy that worked on the movie, and I can't remember his name in particular, that came up with the gag where the dwarves all stick their little noses over the beds one by one, and he got $5 for that gag and talks about it on the DVD specials on the Snow White. That's really cool. That's I bet he goes on a lot of podcasts to talk about it now. I think he might be dead now. Oh, <laughs> he's very old. Ooh, this, guy, yeah. this got dark fast. 
I uh, mean, just realistically. That's amazing. Yeah, realistically, we're, we're, big, we're, we're big animation fans on the show. Becky's husband worked for Pixar for many years. Um, uh, and, and so what I would have immediately thought is, oh, you loved Coraline, so you liked animated movies, and it's the first one, the first animated feature. But this is a very cool, I feel like we learned something. You know, yeah. Friday Night Movie listeners, you learned something today. So basically, I want to see Snow White as like a Tomb Raider type character where she doesn't need anybody's help, least of all the prince. I guess she could have the dwarves along as like a sidekick kind of thing. Um, But I want them to be more autonomous, like maybe the crew on the ship. And they're not like they're helpful. And... um, I guess they could all have like their kind of their identities, but let's elevate it. And she's going after Jaws. I mean, ah. That is the crossover. <laughs> I, that is the only crossover of those movies. I'm for- forgetting that we even mentioned E.T. in this. Oh no, my my crossover is with E.T. I so first of all, it I.T. living shit out of me. E.T. is with an E and a T, so they're already. Visually, like it look, you could do something really cool with those two words. But also, if you've seen the original, it now I don't. I'm, this is spoiler alert for a very, very long TV movie from the 80s, 90s. I don't remember when it came out, but it scared the life out of me. At the end of it, the original one that I saw, the big reveal after this amazingly terrifying film is that it's a giant spider alien. <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. Like everything you've been dealing with, this whole changing and getting in people's heads and psychological thriller, it's a spider alien. Had they just left it as Tim Curry, it would have been way scarier. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I I would really, I'll, I'll, I would really like to see the ETs in Homeworld, ET Homeworld, have to face off and prevent the arrival, right? So, like, they're worried about, what's his name? Elliot, right? So they're, so Elliot's back in the 80s, you know, they get some of the Stranger Kids, Stranger Things kids to play him now. Or, or you get, or you get the actor, or is it Henry Thomas? You get him to play the dad and, again, bring in the Stranger Things kids. And, uh... E.T. gets word that the spider alien's coming back and he has to go on a mission with some other E.T.'s to intercept him. And then there's like a big showdown on Earth and there's little glowing fingers and chocolate it, they move so slow. But that's it. Like they've got but they got some telekinesis. So, you know, I guess. I don't know. I like it. I'm going for a sci-fi. I'm going for a sci-fi space opera kind of thing, where where the where the ETs are really the we get into the 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 command structure of the ET ships, for example. Yeah, I like it. Okay, good. Candace approves. (laughs) That's good. Becky do you, or, or Candace, either one of you. Okay, so so we can so we can do any kind of crossover between all the films we've talked about. Yeah. For a sequel, is that I just a I lost my connection or a shared for a universe that, or sure. Okay, so I want to see a Sharknado sequel where the shark wait Sharknado's from not jo- in this. You're no, just adding S, another S, show. S, no, Sharknado S. Like, can you let me finish my <laughs> sentence? Oh my god, a Sharknado esque sequel where the shark from Jaws is now 
like through some supernatural event, maybe as it arrives on planet Earth or whatever, is like transported into the sewer system of of this town and is living in the sewer system. And it's just so instead like, of it being a tornado, Jaws is in the sewer system. So yeah, it has nothing like, to do with Sharknado. In, it's just Jaws is I'm in the sewer system. Just saying, in that like an it. I'm just saying, but like okay, in the idea that like great, it's absurd that a ocean, shark could be in a tornado. Ocean shark. Ocean sharks can now live in other places. Okay, maybe he swims into Look, a storm. Have you seen Jaws Sorry, before? That shark followed the family all the way to Bermuda, or the Bahamas. Very personal. Um, and so, and now he's in the sewer system. And <laughs> okay, so, I think that's while a, I, I think that's actually the tagline for the movie. I think the tagline what? for the movie actually is this time it's personal. <laughs> it is. Anyways, I think so. and this one would actually be Jaws versus it. Battle Royale in the sewers. In the sewers, obviously. Okay. I, yeah. I mean, I, now I'm afraid to go that anywhere near a sewer. Thanks, Becky. Like, I feel like that one actually makes sense. Like that, like that makes sense. Like in it's the possible. Universal Monster Universe, that they're having like n- that yeah. nobody asked for Mothra. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Candace. Mine could 100% happen. Do you have one? Mine is so so simple, but since you already spoiled it, so that lets me off the hook. Um, the book, it also ends with the clown turning into a spider alien. And it's even more stupid, by the way, because it turns <laughs> in the, out this, in the book, um, really? it turns out this spider has had an eternal long feud with a turtle. What? Like, what? Yo, yeah, it's out of what kind of turtle, like an alien turtle or just like an earth turtle? It's some sort of weird, like cosmic in the galaxy. There's this turtle that's been around forever and it's had this eternal long feud with the spider. Are you and the only person that's read this, the ending of this book? <laughs> I, I feel I like heard anyone no else one heard about talk this. about this before. I, I talked about it with a friend that read it, but he was like for Are the sure end. you read like, the real like, version? Yes. You didn't like, it's not like some blue. Yeah, you, got, you didn't get fan fiction. Fan fiction? No, no, no. This was definitely the book. It was, I, I listened to the audiobook by Stephen King, voiced by Stephen Weber. Um, Ooh, Stephen Weber. <laughs> yes. Hilarious. I know. I couldn't take it seriously. Um, like, they're just begging for it to be comedy horror at this point. <laughs> I know. Uh, I mean, not to Stephen Weber's a great actor, and he did great no. in the Shining miniseries. But I but, still can't take it seriously. Yeah. But anyway, um, anyway, this whole turtle ends up in the thing. That has nothing to do with what I want to do with this crossover. I just wanted to mention it because it makes me so upset. But um, yeah, no, I, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I would cross over it and Coraline because Ooh, Coraline already has experience. Took a bridge too far in the scary zone. <laughs> but yeah, it, it could work out because. Coraline knows how to defeat evil spiders, so she'd be able to kill these kids. Yours makes the most sense. I feel like you're the only one that really, yeah, like that. That makes sense. That's written a TV show before. Yeah, that's (laughs) one episode of TV. (laughs) Whatever, it's 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 excellent and more than we can save ourselves. (laughs) Amazing. So that's great. It's a great movie. Hopefully. I mean, Shai was saying that the sequel's coming out, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like and is Jessica Chastain is in it? Perhaps yeah. am I making that up? No, 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 um, no, she is. She plays Beverly as an adult. Um, Shai was like, I hope they don't, like, shit the bed on the sequel. Yeah, they, <laughs> the I, I, I firmly believe they have to change the ending here. Like, No, they, I really hope they do. 
No, this isn't one of those ones where people want to have it be true to the book. Like the Game of Thrones fans better stay at home on this one and not get all whiny about the. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I know people are already been out of shape because in the book there's this. People call it the kid orgy scene. I call it the kid gangbang scene. And yeah, you can cut that's in the book. Too. That was yeah, not in the TV special. It, nor should it be. They, they're 11 years old in the book, and they, it gets very gross and what graphic. What happens? Ew. Wow. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, they all take turns hooking up with Beverly in the book. Um, so, And they've announced they're not going to do that in the movie, and people were very upset. <laughs> I don't understand why. <laughs> but people, that they didn't want to those are the, the Game of Thrones fans. Yeah. They, the Game of Thrones fans are spoiled. So much child breastfeeding and incest on television <laughs> the last few years. They thought this was finally their chance to get it. I know, and I'm like, I'm good. I don't want to see that. Blech! Oh, I, I, I believe I believe that Stephen King actually is in a Stephen King movie where there is a curse that he was being given the ability to come up with the scariest premises for books and movies, and then at the 75% mark, everything goes wrong. Because yes. name a really good no, that's adaptation a good of a Stephen except, King movie, uh, The Shining. The Shining. And Stand By one. Me. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Or and, is it Stand that, By Me or The Stand? Well, I haven't it's, seen The Stand, but that one's supposed to be Stand By too. Me is Stephen King. But st- oh, gotcha. Okay. St- Stand By Me takes place in Derry. Where's Pennywise in that one? <laughs> I always think about that. I'm always, like, I'm always haunted by the fact that I'm like, so those kids are going on this little adventure, and they're probably going to get mauled by a clown when they get back. Not if it's within the 27 years that he's dormant. They're fine. Oh, okay. Oh, so there are the some The problem rules. is that That's they're good. both set in the 80s. No, oh, no, no, just, no, 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 no. The Stand By Me is in the 60s. 60s? Oh, okay. It just made in the 80s. Okay, so then that makes sense. It's He's not awake yet. Yeah. There you go. I'm uh, glad we got to the bottom of this. Uh, Candace, are there also, any other awesome things that you just like that you would like recommend to people? We're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna move on to our recommendations. Are there just things that you're into that you've been watching these days, or just favorite things of all time? That's a good question. I really like Grace and Frankie on Netflix. Uh, Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. Great show. But, but most importantly, June Day and Raphael. I feel yeah. like if I could edit out all of the old people stuff on that show and just watch the show about June Day and Raphael, I would really like it. Shai's <laughs> a super I, fan. I, yeah, we I, just saw How Did This Get Made live. It was amazing. I can see that. Those guys I, um, I love the... So Jane Fonda throughout her career has always taken on a cause. That's like something she's known for. Um, I love that Grace and Frankie specifically takes on ageism because I feel like nobody really talks about that. And it's a very prevalent thing, especially in Hollywood, that really, really sucks. And I really admire her ability and the show's ability to take that head on and make it really funny. Also, she, like, to to really not be activist-like by saying this, she looks amazing for her age. Yes, she does. Like, she's she, 80. Yeah, it's and I can't say that. So she's, she's also, at the I same think, time, setting the bar a little very, too high. She's very classy. She's very classy. Yeah, but like, she, you know that what? Is a she high looks, she looks amazing, but I think that, and to Candace's point, she and Lily Tomlin look amazing uh, in their own different way. Like, they look different, but, like, they look age-appropriate. Like, they're yes. our parents' age, or I don't know how old your parents are, but they're around our parents' age or a little bit older. And they don't look younger than that. They just look healthy and good. No, no, for sure. I'm just saying that Jane Fonda sets the bar high. Oh, no, I get, I totally get what you're saying. And that she she has had some 
And she's had some work done. Right, right. But yeah. But, but yeah. And Lily like, Tomlin, I don't, I don't think has work done. And she also looks incredible. Yeah, she does. Um, and, but, and, and I would say, if people want to get work done, it's totally up to them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you should get it done well so you don't look like a puppet, but, you know. <laughs> like, um, get Jane Fonda work, because she looks yeah, amazing. I'm, I'm curious what you think, then, about the Kaminsky method, which is older actors, but mostly men. Um, I haven't seen it, but I know I'm intrigued. Curious, because it's, it's, you definitely, like, don't have protagonists that are in that age group on TV, but... The, it's the older people in the show are mostly men. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think it's it's heartfelt and funny, regardless of that. Um, I think, but it, and it tells an interesting story. But um, it's yeah, I thought that's the only other show I could think of where there's older people yeah. as the, the main characters. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. I'll have to check it out. All right, it's on Netflix. that's very cool. <laughs> that is a great endorsement of Grace and Frankie. Uh, <laughs> uh, Lily, what are you watching these days? Um, I just finished season three of Money Heist. La Casa de Papel. Casa de Papel, as people say around my No, no spoileritos. I will not do any spoilers, but I'm just saying that we have a thing, Candace, on the show where we say um, show indipity. Yeah. When, like, a show, like, a, a season's released or someone recommends you a show or, like, it, it's just meant to be. And literally, season three could not have come at, like, a more perfect time in my life. I needed well, it. Wonderful. And it did not disappoint. And you got to just roll with that show for what it is. Shy tried to have, like, a, a, a slightly too intellectual conversation with me about it the other day. And I was like, nope. Nope. You just got to go with it. Um, it makes no sense, but it's awesome. I, I just want to say, I'm five episodes in. No one has had sex inside a bank vault this season. So Coming. it strikes me that the show is trying Bullshit. to be more serious, and so I'm holding it to a higher standard. Just hang in there. Okay. <laughs> um, Fair point. Um, do, you but wa- yeah, do you watch that show, Candace? No, oh. but I'm, again, intrigued. It, it, I mean, the, the oh, first two seasons... Are, are like really they were part one and a part two made in Spain and distributed by um, Netflix and they, it was just meant to be like a part one and a part two but it was so popular that then Netflix paid to do a season three um, and the first two it, it's a bit slow because it's like really you're watching as if it's one long season so it is a bit slow so you kind of just have to like bear with it a little bit at times but it's worth it uh, what's amazing stuff. about this show is that it is a true international sensation I mean I have met Israelis I have met people from Tunisia India from, right from, from India, India. Mm-hmm. like people all over the world where like you ask them what show are you watching on Netflix and this is the show they're watching like who's not not gonna have fun watching Spanish bank robbers. Like honestly, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. They find a way to always be in their that. underwear and their bra. Like they can say terrible things, and it just like sounds like very sexy. Um, it's a great show. So that is my endorsement. And I want to give a shout out to um, our great uh, friend on Twitter, Gato, who recommended The Boys. I have to find a way to see this show because I don't think. Oh I yeah, have I know. Way. I haven't started it yet because I'm trying I to finish st- Money Heist, but I want to see it. Uh, but I appreciate him because I knew about it. I had like heard about it. But- but net didn't get around to like putting it on the list of any sort, and then he reminded me that it exists, and it's Jack Quaid, uh, Dennis Quaid, and Meg Ryan's son. Um, oh, cool! I support, it? He's I great. support Qu- 
Quaid and yeah. Ryan Offspring. I that heard he was awesome. in something. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to Gato, and I also want to shout out to Ryan Walker from Beanstalk Library, the band. He was on our show a few weeks ago, and um, I just like well, and to you, Shy, because you introduced me to his music, and it's just like super fun rock music that has been. I normally don't drive where I live. I very feel much. like you had some show and dippity with the music. I feel like that's been a big that one. That is for you. A, also. Um, as well, you could say that. And I feel like uh, I had to had to drive way more the last few weeks than I normally do, and it's just been great to crank those tunes in the car. So awesome. that's it for me. I did it. How, yeah. about, how about you, Beck? I've been watching a few things. Um, I'm really, really into the new season of Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee on, oh, on Netflix. You're right. It's um, excellent. They just released. And I, I do find this season is particularly well done. It's yeah. it's, it's really great. Um, recommend that. Um and I, you know, it's kind of funny, and I don't mean this in a bad way. I'm, I've been watching the new season of Queer Eye, but it could be just that I'm so used to the formula of the show. I don't find it as exciting this season, but I do find it very relaxing. So when I've been having a hard time sleeping at night, I put an episode oh, on. You know, for me, that's like one of the highest vibe. compliments you can give to a show. It's like, I feel like I'm snuggling up. I got my friends all around me and they're telling funny stories until I fall asleep. That's so like it's a, been a really the, important one the, for me. The Gilmore Girls got me through last night. I mean, and that show's <laughs> wonderful. I love that yeah, you're listening so. to Gilmore Girls. Oh yeah, the Gilmore Girls is. If you, I, I think you, we, we follow each other on Instagram, right? I, 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 yeah. I, I my my Gilmore Girls journey is being is being cataloged on my Instagram story. I'm very <laughs> into it. This is. I'm sorry, Becky. I cut you off. No, no, no. That was it. That's all I was going to say. So those are my two. It's a great opportunity for me to talk about the Gilmore Girls, which is part of another bit we do, which is called a tradesy. So I'm watching Gilmore Girls because someone I know watched Chuck for me, and so uh, now Chuck went really quickly for this person. So I'm kind of behind, but there's also a lot of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Allie caught me watching like four episodes in a row the other day, and she's like, "How much more of the show is there?" I'm like, "I think seven seasons," but I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting more and more emotionally vested. And I think so. This is, and you all know, I have struggled with Amy Sherman Palladino and Mrs. Maisel. I like Gilmore Girls a lot more than that show. One of the reasons why I really like it um, is uh, is I I like the way the stakes for the characters have un- unfolded, particularly between the relationship between Lorelai and her mother. Now that I'm deep into second season, and I feel like they it it's. It, things notch up in a really neat pace and it pays off as you get to know these characters. So I, um, so Gilmore girls, it's, it's, it's working for me. Um, I'd also, I'd also like to shout out to wait, hold on. Cost the, Oh, Ryan. So you mentioned Ryan Lilly. I got to see Beanstalk library live at the evening star cafe in, in Virginia. And they know, were, lucky you. they were amazing. I mean, they blew the roof off the place. Like the, I, you know, I saw many concerts in the last, week some um and and a few of them were like full band concerts and of the full bands i saw over two nights i saw the violent femmes and i saw 
Ben Folds, and I saw Beanstalk Library, and Beanstalk Library put on the best show of those three bands. Uh, and I'm not being hyperbolic because we know Ryan. Like, it was a killer show. And one of the best parts of it is that they did Feeling My Way in the Dark, the song that I think has been your anthem lately, Lily, and that we it were... It is. I love that song. And that Ryan gave us permission to put on the show a couple weeks ago. And so they played it, and I'm like, yeah, awesome, grooving along. And then they jammed it out. for. They put on this jam... They tacked on this jam at the end for an extra few minutes. So it was like an eight-minute version of that song. And I, and I always feel like if you write a song that good, you should, like, just soak it up and help your crowd soak it up. And it was it was awesome. So those guys are killer. Yeah. I hate to cut oh, you off. Your baby's away. My baby just woke up and I gotta go. All right. Well, you don't. You're not that. My, my, you're not that interested in my recommendations anyway. No. And then, thank you, Candace. Thank you so much, Becky. It was nice meeting you. Right. So uh, nice meeting you. Bye. Uh, oh, I guess I could stay on but mute myself. I'll yes. Be, I just texted in fact, you. you needed to, you could yes. have done uh, all of that on mute, but that's cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Whatever. Uh, Every time. Someone Every needed time. to like give you an an end point, Shy. Th- thank you. Great. And so, uh, and then the other thing I want to say is Josh, my best friend, my buddy, he he gets an I Told You show. He's been talking me to listen to Bill Simmons's podcast, and to me, that's like such an obvious thing. It's one of the, you know, Bill Simmons is one of the biggest voices in pop culture stuff, but he really wanted me to listen to this interview of Kevin Costner, and Kevin Costner talks about his sports movies, and I reluctantly <laughs> turned this on, oh and I God. could not stop listening to it. It oh was... God. Does he talk about Bull Durham extensively? He then talks I need about to Bull Durham a lot. He talks actually the most... Most of it is about... Because that's the only good one he made, except for... For love of the game. No. Nah. For Uh love of the game? I I don't know. Uh What he tells you about that movie is really cool. He tells some great stories. And he gives a shout-out to Silverado, which is a big family. You can steal steal their dreams, too. Yeah, he talks a little about that, too. And then I just... um, Because we have Candace on, and I'm thinking of cool, independent, funny things, uh, I, I, I busted out and started watching again Eliza Sherman's Revenge. I love that movie. I'm obsessed with that movie. I think it is so funny. And, um, Jackie Geary, who's in it, and, um, and the folks who worked on that, like, they were so generous to share that with us. And again, if anyone's listening and you would like to get a free viewing of it, because it's the only way you can view it, just tweet. I feel like Candace will really like it. Yeah. Just, okay, just I'll tweet, check it out. just tweet, release Eliza yeah. to me, uh, and, uh, to me or to Friday Night Movie, or just send me a message if you don't use Twitter. And I will be happy with, with her permission, um, with the filmmaker's permission, with Greg, Greg Fitzsimmons' f- permission, uh, who is the, the director and writer and um uh they uh anyways i, I just i want to share this movie with people because it just cracks me up i definitely think candace will be on board i think you'll i yeah. think you'll dig it it's a it's a supernatural revenge high school reunion movie that takes place <laughs> in richard grico's apartment i'm on board right isn't that right? a great pitch yeah. I, i'm like i i'm i'm furious every day at hulu or netflix and amazon that i had to watch i have to watch some of the original films that they've put out and this isn't picked up by one of those so uh yeah. we are we are one by one spreading the gospel of it okay um with that uh candace where can people follow you and anything else that you're working on they can follow me on Twitter um, at Candace Mart, K-A-N-D-I-C-E-M-A-R-T, um, and Instagram at Candace underscore Martellero underscore. Um, Candace there was K-A-N- another Candace Martellero. 
It, well, it was me, and then I accidentally deleted my own Instagram and had to make it. Amazing. I don't know how I did it, but that, uh, that's yeah. a Lily movie. Amazing. That's what we call that's, being the Lily. Yes. Yeah. It was very upsetting. I was committed at one point to just not having Instagram anymore. And it actually, Dana Gould was the one that was like, no, you need to be on Instagram. Social so, media. <laughs> yeah. It's like your career kind of needs it. So, um, so I hopped back on with a new thing. Anyway, so that's where they can find me. And what about, um, what about Fembot? Fembot. I was going to say Fembot is at Fembot PhD and you can find us on YouTube, Fembot PhD. Please subscribe um, to our channel. All of our videos are up there, our live sketches, our videos, all of them. Awesome. And, and you heard tons of recommendations, if you're listening, of the ones to start with, friends. Okay. You. And right. you you can follow Becky at Paper BK Princess. She's now taking care of her child but on, on Twitter. And I think that's about it, where you can follow Becky. But if you tweeted her and she checks her Twitter, she's fun to tweet with. I've been really checking my Twitter you, you, lately. You've been all over it, Lil. I'm very proud of you. Where can people follow you? I was inspired you? by Casa de Papel. Yeah. Because we have some serious, like, other oh, fans oh, out Becky there. Oh, Becky and her baby. Oh. Becky just sent us a picture of her with her baby. She's a very cute baby, as everyone, whoever listened to this podcast knows. Um, so, people can follow me. Chi-Chi. People complain I say it too fast. C-H-I, C-H-I. K as in Kellogg's O'Corman. Chichi K Gomez, not my last name, my husband's last name. <laughs> on Twitter. Right? Is that right? Chichi yeah, you K did Gomez. it. You did it right. You did it. On the Twitter. Uh uh, hundred percent. That's right. it. And I'm tweeting lately, so just get on it. Like yeah. this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. even putting GIFs slash GIFs. I don't find there's an actual way to say that word. But I'm even like learning. Like I find that the well, art in of Spain that aren't they just Twitter called GIFs? Aren't they just called probably? In Spain? Probably. Um, but I just like love how people communicate through them, and they're like modern I'm not saying. Yeah, I'm like they're like one step past the emoji, and so I'm sort of getting into the language of them. There's a lot of money heist ones, though. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, so that's it. All right. Well, uh, you can follow me at Pancake and the number four table on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow all of the Friday Night Movie stuff at Friday Night Movie on Twitter and Instagram and at FridayNightMoviePod.com. Lily and I run our Instagram, so you might get me, or Lily might randomly write back to you also. <laughs> she won't realize that, that she's doing it. But that one's worth DMing just That's, for that experience. Yes. And the music from What Does It Eat will kick in now, and we'll dance our way off into the evening. Candice Martellaro, thank you so much thank for being so a part of the Friday Night Movie family. And Thank you for having me and watching all of our sketches and watching. I I wish I I can't wait to see. I I would love to see them live now for the nudity, for the (laughs) poop jokes, like for everything. I just feel like it's now you've made it seem so exciting. You know, like I I, I never thought about. I I mean, I've seen comedy sketch here in Spain, but it's really hard for me to like take that leap to the for the language barrier. Yeah, comedy in another language is like the hardest thing to get. Um, And there's a a bunch of different troops that like tour here and stuff and uh, it was very funny the ones that like they were very funny the ones that I've seen but other than that I don't think I've ever seen comedy sketch live um 
and I've seen stand-up, but that's not the same. And so now new mission amongst a lot of LA things now that try that we have to do. The next time I go with you and Beck is seeing uh, you guys in person. Wonderful. Well, we would love to have you. Thanks. Thanks. Bye.